Did you know that Progress Alberta is part of a national community of leftist podcasts on the Ricochet Podcast Network? You can find the Alberta Advantage, 49th Parahel, Kino Lefter, Well Reds, The Progress Report, Les Ficelles, Out of Left Field, and Unpacking the News, as well as a bunch of other awesome podcasts at Ricochet Media or wherever you download your podcasts. Friends and enemies, welcome to the Progress Report. I am your host, Duncan Kinney. We're recording today here in Amiskwichiwa Skygan, otherwise known as Edmonton, here in Treaty 6 territory. And this week we have one of the more interesting characters from the last federal election in Alberta. His name is Michael Kalvanovich, and he's here to speak with us today. Michael, you, you provided us with one of the only kind of noteworthy bits of drama in the federal election here in Alberta, considering it was almost a sweep. I believe it was 28 out of 29 seats or whatever it is. There was only one seat in uh, Alberta that didn't go conservative. And that was here in Edmonton, in Edmonton, Strathcona. And you were the Green Party of Canada candidate in Edmonton, Strathcona. And in the final week of that uh, campaign, you put out a statement where you say you said you're ending your campaign and you asked your supporters to throw their support behind the NDP candidate, Heather McPherson. Heather McPherson ended up winning in Edmonton, Strathcona, Again, the only riding in Alberta to not elect a conservative. And I want to get into I want to get into that. And I think in your action, too, there's something that we can learn about and something that we can apply to the upcoming uh, federal Green Party of Canada leadership race, something that like no one is actually talking about. And, and Liz May is finally stepping down. So, Michael, welcome to the Progress Report. Oh, thanks very much for having me on. So, Mike, uh, you've. I've moved to Edmonton 10 years ago. I ran into kind of Earth's General Store, the, the, the place that you run, pretty soon after I moved here because I was living in Edmonton, Strathcona. I was in the neighborhood. Um, and I ended up there. I was, you know, bicycle commuters, people, I think, uh, recommended I go there. And, and it was like nearby my house. And I think you were involved with the Edmonton bicycle commuters too yeah. back in the day. Since and, 86. Yeah. And, and you've been around a long time when it comes to kind of environmental activism environmental activism in Edmonton. Like, when did you start this struggle? When did you start your work? And why did you do it? Because somebody had to. And uh, I didn't think there was enough bodies and voices happening on the social justice and environmental justice, um, equity, um, discrimination. I work on all of them. And I started the store as a platform um, because when I was doing workshops back in the 90s, uh, in 1990, um, people would come to the workshop, but they also wanted to get the products that I was talking about and everything like that. So I created the store, but the store is a soapbox. The store allows me to talk about uh, those things that are important, social and environmental justice, and uh, on my social media as well as in the store. So big thing about the store is you have conversations quite often when you come to the store and you get get exposed to that it's not like just going to superstore and blah you yeah. go up and down the aisles you don't see another human being that can service you and you have a 
you know, in non-personal interaction with a checkout person. Since 1991, you've run Earth General Store in Edmonton. It's this kind of weird, wacky, wonderful store. Everything from like Castile soap to composting worms to just straight up groceries and regular supplies that people need. Uh, and, and as you said, you started it as an opportunity to to create like a bit of a community space. And I think it is kind of I've used that. And it's, it's it is like one of the kind of weird, awesome, unique parts about Edmonton. So let's let's get to the political end of things. So so when did you decide to get into elect, into electoralism? When did you decide to run for the federal Green Party? Uh, probably April or something like that of 2019 mm-hmm. uh, that I decided that I was going to launch into that. And why? Um, I didn't. I had seen the climate uh, issue, the climate crisis, the climate emergency. Uh, it's here, and I felt that it was not being addressed very well by the uh, New Democrats, uh, nor by the Liberals, and definitely not from the Conservatives. Um, and so I saw the, the only viable option was the Green Party. So I submitted my application to be the candidate for Edmonton Strathcona as a Green Party candidate. And so would you have chosen to run for the Federal Greens if, if uh, Paige Gorsak had won the nomination for the NDP in Edmonton Strathcona? And just for context for people who aren't aware, uh, Paige Gorsak was like a... I want to call her like a insurgent. She ran an insurgent campaign, like an Alexandria Ocasio Cortez like campaign against Heather McPherson, who ended up being the eventual nomination. And and Gorsak was much much more the insurgent, and uh, and was much more kind of had radical politics compared to McPherson, who was kind of the chosen one by Linda Duncan. And it was a close thing. The the nomination contest, I think, was only decided by 17 votes. Yeah, 17, 19 votes, yeah. So with that context, if, if Paige had won, and someone who was kind of very much very much stridently kind of uh, wanted climate action, would you have chosen to run for the federal Greens? Definitely not. Okay. I would have voted for her. You would have voted for Paige? Okay, and then that's you know kind of interesting context, right? So... How did you? How would you describe your time as a candidate? Was there lots of support from the Greens? Were you on your own? Like, can you describe the process of like being a Green Party candidate? Well, the Green Party is not a very rich party, and also they see, you know, stronghold of Alberta uh, and uh, certain other places being, you know, uh, token um, runners. You know, page they kind of often, you know. Like it's actually a paper paper candidate, and a lot of times they just run paper candidate, which I'm totally against. I'm against them just wasting the resources on um, running 300. What is it? 338 candidates across the country. They should be saying no. We should be only running in there where it's significant for us to move some agenda forward, or that we have a chance to win. If not, then we should mobilize to to get out to forums and challenge those people that are second to them in, in say, for example, climate action, and push those people to make commitments to do better. But you were running a campaign, right? You were going to events, yep. you were knocking on yep. doors, you, you had volunteers and literature, right? Yeah. <clears throat> but at some point, you've, you've made the decision, right? Like five days, I think, before the election, October 16th, you, you put out this statement. I'm going to quote from it right now. I ran this campaign with the goal of winning the Edmonton-Strathcona riding, but based on polling projections, it has become clear that success is unlikely under our first past-the-post system. My goal has never been personal political power. My goal has always been policy change. That is why I'm ending my campaign effective today and calling on supporters to consider voting strategically for the candidate and party with the next best climate action plan. 
I believe that candidate is Heather McPherson of the NDP. Why did you put out that statement and, and what was the reaction you got after you put it out? Um, well, I put it out that morning, and um, but do note that I was actually asking people to support the second best climate action uh, platform. It was not so much Heather McPherson themselves or, or the NDs, it was just that they happen to have the second best climate action uh, platform or policy. Um, so the reaction by the Green Party was that uh, they they phoned me many times, and they had finally got through to me, I guess, just before I was going on stage to, to make this announcement or to, to engage in the debate. But at that debate or that uh, conversation, I, I was going to announce this thing. So they said, you can't do this and everything like that. I said, I'm sorry. I'm on my, my foot is on the step to go up to the stage. I'm doing this. You know, I had talked to them two weeks before saying that, you know, my position was that I thought it would be best if we did this and, you know, what did they think of it? And they said, no, you shouldn't be doing that and everything like that. So, but I had made the decision to do what I did back in, when I first decided to run back in April. Oh, really? Yes. So the reason why is because why would I do something that would be detrimental to moving the agenda that I wanted to see moved ahead? And so when I announced that I was going to do that, I got a huge amount of flack from people like Linda Duncan and lots of uh, people that were NDPers. Um, that you were going to run for the Green Oh, Party. yeah, and I was going to spoil their vote and everything like that. And like I said, and in my statement, I said I was running to win when it looked like it, I wasn't going to win and that I was put in, in jeopardy the second best climate action plan then what were my options? My option was to cede to that second best. Okay. I mean, it's, it's logical. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's an interesting um, approach, right? I mean, it, it's, it's, pure, it's very uh, uh, kind of uh, non-political almost. But it, it is uh, the fact that you were going into it knowing that this was your likely course of action is still kind of interesting to me. So uh, ultimately, do you think it made a difference? On the debates, definitely, mm -hmm. and I really, I think I, I, I think I really held the conservative and the liberal uh, feet to the fire uh, in every debate that we had, um, and I think that my presence there was was was, I wouldn't say I was supportive of the NDs, but I wasn't, um, and I challenged them, you know, but what it is is that in the end I said. You know, and, and I, I think in my statement when I was on the stage, I said, well, the, the liberals shouldn't get a second term on their performance on the climate action that they've done over the last four years. They shouldn't. And the, the candidate was pathetic, mm -hmm. you know, um, and I said that to her right on the stage and that the conservatives did not shouldn't be allowed to be, have that kind of power. They were they were criminals in, in their intent for the planet. So the numbers are interesting when you actually crunch open when you actually crack open the like actual electoral numbers. Um, I mean, the green vote went down by 0.3 percent compared to the last uh, the last election, the 2015 election, down from 2.3 percent to 2 percent. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I spoke with folks from the McPherson campaign, and they they think that it didn't necessarily have a kind of ton of effect on the doors. Um, you know, Heather McPherson ended up winning the riding by 11 percentage points, uh, more than 6,000 votes. So it is 
it is a question of, 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 you know, what your action kind of ultimately did, but I think it does offer up a really interesting model of, of green and new Democrat kind of relations and how that relationship should be over as we go forward, like if, if the climate emergency is real and we have to build an electoral coalition, it's that will, real. That will, yeah. <laughs> the climate emergency is real and we have to build an electoral coalition that will actually move on climate change. How do we fucking do it? Right. And I think the idea, like we're never going to get electoral reform, right? Like uh, Justin Trudeau has burned that bridge. He mm-hmm. said, no, he campaigned on it, then went back on his promise. And really, I think the whole idea of electoral reform is dead until the next generation of voters comes up and it's like the 2040s and the liberals are again running on electoral reform. So we're never going to get electoral reform. If that's the case, how do we build a a left-wing coalition that will meaningfully do and and reorder our economy so that it will will actually do something on climate change? And I I would suggest that one of the things that has to be done is the Green Party and the Democrats have to work together. And one of the ways that they can work together is is the way that you've done it, right? Where it's like, okay, I'm not going to win. I'm going to step down. I'm going to throw my support behind the New Democrats. That's one way. Do you think that's a way that we should be doing across the country? No. Uh, but with with what I did and, and what you just described there, that's how most leaderships do it, right? It's these back backroom deals, and they, they do it for their own political betterment Mm -hmm. so say for example bob is is second but he could spoil the chance of such and such and things so they get a nice plum job out of it or a nice appointment as ambassadorship or whatever and so those kinds of things we should be running for politics because it's the right thing for you for you to do and the your goal is 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 uh is um good you know, I don't know how else to describe it. Good. I mean, like, if you're running so you can get your 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 family to be proud of you, or to gain the the, the amount of money and the the the, the uh, pension plan and blah blah blah, all of those things, you know, that's crap. You know, the climate change, just what everybody out there gives lip service to climate crisis, and. Aren't, and when they get into power, they, they're running to be elected the second time so that they can, you know, get that nice pension. But here's, here's where I am, Michael, okay. is, is that, like, we cannot meaningfully reorder our society and our economy without political power. Definitely not. And, and, and political power is about you know, dividing up, um, you know, the opportunity to do things like, like that, to, to, to exert control over the economy and society. And... Right now, our, we, that's how we do it is through elections, first past mm-hmm. the post. And <clears throat> I think Elizabeth May and the current iteration of the Green Party has proven to me um, incredibly incompetent at running a political party under the first past the post system. Like they only just started to realize that they have a geographic base of power on Vancouver Island, like within the past couple of election cycles and investing time and effort and training and organizers there. Um, they also have that kind of small pocket out in New Brunswick for some weird random reason. Mm-hmm. They're, they're a tiny regional party and the idea behind them is popular. Like this is why I would call Liz May incompetent, right? Like going into this federal election, the whole world was talking about climate change, right? Greta Thunberg was on everyone's tongue. We were having rallies of 10, 12,000 mm-hmm. people in Edmonton. 
Um, but Liz May and the Green Party were unable to capitalize on that momentum into any any meaningful electoral gains, right? And if that's the case, why don't we just shut down the Green Party? Like, why don't we just any ostensibly social democratic party should have uh, a good, solid climate change platform, right? Like in the context of a, of a social democratic party, like climate change policy hits all of the things that they care about, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, environmental justice, social justice, climate justice. The Like you said, it was the second best climate change policy in the last federal election. Is it time for the Greens to just like toss it in and say, okay, like if, if the Green Party is never going to go anywhere, like why don't we just organize, why don't we broaden the electoral coalition of the New Democrats and see where we go from there? Yeah, I don't, I personally, I don't know why there's so much di- difference between the two, as in having two parties. Uh, but uh, again, I go back to that the NDs seem to have come out of the social justice side. The Greens came out an environmental. Um, the Greens, I think, do have a pretty good handle on social justice, but they they don't they're not well known. And I, I did read the platform and everything like that, and I thought it was pretty yeah, good. I mean, I would disagree, and they're also yeah. just really weak on like labor stuff, working working the issues of working people. I think that's just a huge historical blind spot for the Greens, and one they've never been able to address. Mm. But uh, this 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 leadership race is happening, right? The the Green Party of Canada will choose their next leader in October of this year. No one has stepped up to the race uh, to the to the plate that is interesting or has any type mm-hmm. of profile. Like I could literally declare to be leader of the Green Party. I would have the most high profile of anyone who who is even mentioned interest in the Green Party. And I'm some fucking idiot in Alberta with a podcast. And I a don't newsletter. think you're an idiot. Well, thanks. But, you're, you're, uh, <laughs> Jim thinks I'm an idiot. No, no. Yeah, but like. Like, the, the Green Party has to decide what it wants to be, right? Like, Liz May has kind of held the party together as just as the Liz May party. But mm-hmm. without Liz May around, why? what is the Green Party for? And and when you look to other Green Parties in other jurisdictions, I, I mean, I think the Green Party really faces uh, an inflection point here with this leadership race, right? Do they want to be eco-socialists or do they want to be eco-fascists? And the Green Party in Austria, they're currently propping up the right-wing government of Sebastian Kurz, this, like, fucking psycho right-winger. Like that, the Green Party is 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 letting him is he they are in, uh, a part of the coalition that is propping mm. up that government. Like that's fucked up, and and I think any type of Green Party has to have class politics at at its heart, right? Like when you look at how climate change works, what well, like twenty nine companies or something, some ridiculous small number of companies yeah. are responsible for seventy one percent of yeah. global emissions. Like there has to be class politics in your climate change. And and the Green Party just has never really seemed interested in going down that route. Uh, to be fair, there's hardly any class politics in the New Democrat platform either, but that's neither here nor there. Mm-hmm. At, at the very least, there's a core of kind of class politics because it is an ostensible yeah. Labour Party. Like, <clears throat> what do we what do we do? Like, do you want to be the leader of the federal Greens? I guess you got kicked out of the party, but... <laughs> well, according to Elizabeth, I'm still a member, but I haven't got confirmation of that okay but the way what it is and they still take my hundred dollars a month from me oh, so very generous yeah <laughs> you still give them money after all this well what it is i mean what party wouldn't have done what they did yeah a lot of people would have said you know like you know with me what i did with the uh running uh a lot of people said well you're 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 a failure or you you know you didn't go go the the full nine yards for me for the voter and everything like that but it wasn't the right thing to do 
it was the right thing to do what I think I did. Yeah. You know, and I think that we need to have people of integrity and a party of integrity. And we have to do the full fucking Monty. Michael, I want to thank you for coming, taking the time to talk with us today. Uh, I really think that this like this conversation around the future of the Green Party has not really happened anywhere. So I'm glad. Hopefully this kind of starts a discussion amongst other folks who kind of care about climate change and electoral politics, because uh, I mean, I still am kind of duty bound to care about electoral politics. If you leave electoral politics to reactionaries, you will get reactionary electoral politics. So again, thank you for coming on the show. And, uh, and uh, again, uh, you did a very a kind of brave thing, I think, I think a thing that people didn't expect in uh, during the federal election. And cheers. Thank you. And I hope it sends a message to other people out there that they can do that. What's the best place for people to s- support your work, follow you? Do you have a Twitter account? You know, where is yeah. Earth General Store if people are in Edmonton, that kind of thing? So uh, at Earth's General is a social media platform. Mm-hmm. I'm also on uh, Green Michael K on uh, for my political kind of stuff. Awesome. All right, Duncan. Uh, I'm sorry I called you an idiot. You know, for the record, I don't think you're any stupider than I am. Uh, good, good. I mean, this is a post-script uh, addendum to the conversation with Michael Kamanovich because I think uh, what I want you to do is I want you to talk me out of running for the leadership of the Green Party. I think, uh, I think I've thought about it before this, obviously, but I mean... Uh, talk me out of it. Give, give me the give me the reasons why I shouldn't do it. Uh, well, first of all, I mean, if you're gone for a few months on the campaign trail, I'm going to run this place into the ground. Uh, that's, uh, I mean, don't don't underestimate yourself. I think you could do it. But yes, okay. Point second, one. second, I would say it costs a lot of money. Yeah, it's a lot expensive. of a lot of your own money. You'd have to raise fifty hundred thousand dollars, probably do it to do it on the cheap. Even yeah. I mean, the Rockefellers won't even invest money to do this stuff. They're not going to pay for you to run as a Green Party candidate. It's true. It's true. I mean, how hard would it be to win the leadership of the Green Party? Really, though, like how many memberships do you think you'd have to sell? How many members of the Green Party actually exist? I mean, fuck. I think you would have quite a long and protracted fight on your hands, even if you were able to secure the leadership like let's let's um consider like best case scenario you 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 go in there suddenly you're you're very popular you're up a bunch up against a bunch of nobodies you steamroll it but now you are in charge of this party which as we just discussed with michael is not by nature uh, a democratic socialist leftist enterprise it is no. i mean it I is think, kind I think, of a, a centrist party with some environmentalism on top i think you've identified the worst part of of what would if, if i did run for the leadership of the green party and that would be having to deal with like green party people all the time <laughs> well <laughs> you would have like a corbin experience over there right don't your have politics of... would be very they would be divorced from what the establishment in that organization wants but is anyone going to actually run for the leadership of the green party that's going to be like yes class politics is good and like we're going to have to uh, go to war against polit- uh, corporations if we actually want to reclaim any sense of power and any sense of uh and if we ever actually want to move on climate change right like i just don't see the green party producing anyone who's going to have that kind of politics and i would just rather i mean I, I could i mean i could run a joke candidacy i could run on the i could run for the leadership of the green party on the platform of that i would shut down the party <laughs> the old jason kenny campaign approach. Uh, that's, no that's my that's for my senate run uh well i mean you have you have kind of three potential paths after this fork in the road for the greens 
Only one of them is particularly positive, I think. So you have potentially the greens just, they become irrelevant. Uh, they, um, they get crowded out by the new Democrats as the new Democrats further embrace Green New Deal style organizing. Uh, and as they um, embrace more of this social justice uh, ecology approach, which I think is very good for the new Democrats and they should do. Alternatively, you have the Canada Greens go the route of these European Green parties where they start getting in bed with the Conservatives. Uh, and that's a very dark timeline. That's, yeah, like the example that's of... The, that's the eco-fascist timeline right there. And th that one actually worries me quite a bit. The example of Austria is frightening, right? And I, and I, I have brung it up a bunch of times with a bunch of different people and like people are kind of like, oh yeah, well, but, but like that is literally one of the paths that the yeah. green party can go down. Right. It's like if they were ever to actually meaningfully uh, have any type of meaningful electoral resort, I don't trust their politics that they wouldn't just like uh, work with the conservatives yeah. or, or the I liberals. Mean, I mean, right? what if, what if you get a, a green platform that looks like uh carbon tax, no immigration, exactly. no transit infrastructure, uh, no housing, like that could be very awful and very damaging. Mm -hmm. And I could see the kind of the Preston Mannings and Jack Mintz's of the, the conservative establishment being very friendly towards that. And um, yeah, that'd be rough. The, but the third path is uh, someone gets in there and convinces the Greens that actually social justice is an integral component of an environmentalist project. Uh, and then that's, that's a, a dramatic and interesting uh, situation. Uh, that's where the, then the Greens really start pummeling the New Democrats. And I don't, that one would be pretty wild. I know, I know. But uh, let's, let's wrap this up. Okay, so... It, Folks, if you're listening to this, if you've got all the way to the end of this podcast and you're listening to me and Jim actually talk to each other about me seriously running for the leadership of the Green Party, I want to know what you think. Do you think it's a stupid idea? Let me know. Do you want me to run for the leadership of the Green Party? Let me know. I think that's the best way to end it. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, thanks for Jim for coming on at the end here. Goodbye. If you, the listener, like this podcast and want to keep hearing more content like this, the best way to help us is to share it. Talk about it. Word of mouth advertising is the single best thing you can do to increase the reach of this podcast. And the more people that this podcast reaches, the better. There are also some really obvious things you can do to help us out, too. You can uh, like our content, like our page on Facebook, uh, review us on your kind of podcast platform of choice, and leave comments underneath the, uh, underneath the, the content that we post. The discussion is also important. Um, the other thing that also really helps us is um, giving us money. Uh, it, it sounds crazy, I know, but uh, if you like this podcast, you want to hear it continue into the future, join the 250 other folks who regularly donate money every month to help keep this independent media project going. To do that, you just go to theprogressreport.ca slash patrons, put it in your credit card, and put in your credit card and contribute, and we would really appreciate it. Uh, also, if you have any notes, thoughts, comments, things you think I need to hear, uh, I'm on Twitter, at Duncan Kinney. Uh, uh, and you can reach me by email at duncank at progressalberta.ca. Thanks so much to Cosmic Family Communist for the amazing theme. Thank you for listening, and goodbye.